Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Dog Pod. I am Dr. Michael Delgado from Good Dog's Health Standards and Research Team, here today to talk to some researchers. I'm really excited to interview two researchers from the Genius Dog Challenge, Shani Dror and Dr. Andrea Somais. Hopefully I said your last name right. Perfect. Okay, great. Both are currently working at the Family Dog Project, which conducts research related to dog cognition and dog-human interactions. Shani is a PhD student at the ethology department at the, I'm definitely going to say this incorrectly, Ietvos Lorand University in Budapest, Hungary. You can correct me later if you want to. And she's got a super interesting background. She completed her military service in Israel as a dog trainer for the police, and she's participated in a number of IPO world championships. Andrea completed his PhD from the Czech University of Life Sciences in Prague in the Czech Republic, and he's currently a postdoc at the same university in Budapest, Hungary, that I probably pronounced incorrectly. And he's done lots of research with wolves, wolf dogs, and pet dogs. So really broad experience with canines. Shane and Andrea have a new paper out called A Comparison of Personality Traits of Gifted Word Learner and Typical Border Collies. And when I heard about this paper, I was like, I need to talk to these two about this research because it's super cool. This is really looking at language learning and giftedness in Border Collies. So I expect all my Border Collie people out there to be tuning in. Thank you both for being here with me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. So I like to get to know my guests. So maybe you could each tell me a little bit about how you ended up studying dogs in grad school and beyond. Well, there was no real option, I think. I mean, I've always been super interested in animal behavior since I was a very, very small kid. I always dreamt of being a vet. And I think at some point I kind of understood that, yeah, I'm more interested in what goes on in the mind of other animals. It's definitely my calling. I can't imagine doing anything else in my life. Nice. Well, I have pretty much a similar story because I decided I wanted to be a zoologist when I was like three years old. So, Wow. That's <laughs> definitely early no other option. Um, ambition. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Very yeah, it nice. was and... that and winning a Nobel Prize. So I don't know if I can do the same. <laughs> okay. Well, the Nobel Prize may take a little longer, but hey, yeah. <laughs> you made the dog thing happen. So why not the Nobel Prize? percent success. Yes. That's all right. <laughs> Great. And Shaney, when I was reading a little bit about your background, I know you worked with dogs in the military and you also have participated in some championships. Can you tell us about your dog? and some of that work, your background with dogs? So yeah, I started with working dogs and working dogs is very broad term, basically to all dogs that do things that are related to scent detection and uh, finding people and protection. And the dog sports that's kind of relate to this is originally it was called Schutzhund. Today it's called IGP. They changed the name a few months ago. This is a sport that the idea is to try and test what qualities the dog has that could be good for a working dog. And I find that these things are actually very relevant when you're working with pet dogs as well, because you get to work with really the raw instincts and the raw drives of dogs. And then when you try to work with family dogs, you kind of have a better idea of how to change the dog's needs. Mm -hmm. So the dog is happier and also the guardians of the dogs are also happier. That's a good combo. And so you worked with your own dog. Was his name Mitos? Is that who you said? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. What was he like? What did he do? <laughs> a lot of silly things. He has a great sense of humor. Normally not when I want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we competed in the IPO World Championships, which means that we did protection where the dog needs to find the fake intruder and alert about him and stop him. And tracking where the dog is searching for a path where the human has walked before and obedience, which is basically a series of very fancy commands where the dog is walking cheerfully and looking at the person and doing things like that. Very cool. Okay. Well, I want to get to the research because yeah, your research got a lot of press. I saw a lot of things about it online and the word gifted dog came up a lot. So can you just start by explaining what a gifted dog, what that means? Who is a gifted dog? Well, so a gifted dog is a very unique dog, first of all. And gifted dogs are those dogs that are capable to recognize and remember and reliably understand the labels of objects. And by this, I mean the names of their toys. Mm -hmm. okay. So I know that some owners think or have an idea that their dogs can understand words like leash or food or let's go to the park, you know, like sentences like this. But when it comes to gifted dogs, we're specifically talking about labels, so the names of their toys. Okay. And I guess depending on how many toys your dogs have, that could be just a few labels or a lot. So how do you test that a dog has learned and remembers a label for a toy? How do we know that they know all these different words? Yeah. So as Andrew was saying, most of the owners think that their dogs know names of different things. And that's not to say that the dogs don't know, but dogs have this really cool trick that they're super tuned into our body language. So without us knowing, we might think like we want the dog to get the ball and then we might look slightly a bit towards the ball mm -hmm. and would be super sure that our dog knows that we wanted the ball, but actually our dog was paying attention to where we were looking or even very small things that we did not know that we were doing. So the way that we are avoiding this is by putting all the dog's toys in one room and asking the dog guardian to sit in a different room. Okay. And this way we can't actually affect what our dogs are doing. I mean, we know from lots of research on dog sensitivity to like the human pointing gesture that, yeah, they can infer a lot from just a little bit of human behavior. So in this case, okay, your dog's in one room with you a giant pile of toys in the other room? Are we talking about like five toys, 10 toys? It really depends on the dogs. Okay. We try normally to work with 20 toys and not more. We have some dogs that have like close to 200 toys, <laughs> but a test like this would take forever because the dog <laughs> would have to go through 200 toys. So we try to put like only up to 20 toys at the same time. Okay. Which is still a lot of toys. Yeah, it's still a lot of toys. And every time we need to count the toys to make sure that we actually have 20 on the floor, that takes a lot of time. And are the toys pretty different? Are we talking like green ball versus red ball? Or is it like the octopus and the, I don't know, like banana or whatever people, I mean, there's lots of cute designs of dog toys. So are the labels pretty simple or longer? This is just whatever the guardians have at home. So okay. whatever the dog owners have at their house, that's what their dog's going to be working with. Normally, they're very different from each other. It does happen that people that have over 200 toys, it's always very hard to find a name for a toy because they already have so many toys that they already have names. So they find themselves using the same name twice mm. or accidentally buying the same toy or toys that are super similar twice. 
But in general, it's just all sizes, shapes, and whatever is safe for the dog. Because, of course, dog toys can be dangerous. Sure. I think one of my favorite is one of the dog's guardian. She names the toys after things in the Lord of the Rings books. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Very nice. Those are great names. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so when you're doing the study, okay, so the owner will ask the dog, like, go get your pink pinky or whatever. And then the question is, does the dog pick the right toy? Is that what you're assessing is how many correct toys they can retrieve and bring back into the other room? Yeah, so that's a very easy thing to measure. And that's also one of the reasons why this research with testing dogs that know names of objects is much easier than if you would want to test, for example, if your dog knows going to the park, because we just have a, like a very clear definition that the dog got it or did not get it. Okay. And so to summarize, some dogs are very good at this task, much better than others and have a much bigger collection of toys that they can correctly identify. Would you say that is what you found? Yeah, we found that basically it's either a dog can do it or they can't. Because one of our first research was that we tried to train dogs to do this. And we trained at the end, we had 30 something dogs, 34, I think. But overall, it was like almost a year and a half of training. So we worked with probably more than 50 dogs. And anywhere between three months to almost some of them completed nine months of training each week. And the owners would continue training with them at home. And they did not learn even the names of two toys. Wow. And in the same time, we have these dogs that come to us and their guardians are already telling us, my dog knows the names of toys. And we're like, okay, show us. And then we see that the dog actually knows because we do this test and we see that the dog can get the toys without the owner's presence. And these dogs can learn a name of a toy in like, we have one study that shows they can learn it in four repetitions. So they hear the name of the toy four times and they already learned it. And it's amazing how fast they can learn the names of toys and how easily it comes to them, as opposed to most dogs that you can train for months and months and they won't even get the names of two toys. I feel like that's faster than I would learn the name of some toys. So <laughs> definitely we have the famous joke that one of the dogs knows more Hungarian than us because he literally knows more than 200 toys and most of our team is not Hungarian. So most of us do not speak Hungarian. <laughs> Wow. Now, one interesting thing about your research is that it seems like there's a certain breed of dogs that is more likely to be gifted. I know maybe not exclusively, but it sounds like this trait has mostly been observed in Border Collies. Is that true? And why do you think that is? So, yeah, we do see most of our gifted dogs our border collies. That's not to say that this is a common trait among border collies. Okay. When we did a research that we tried to train dogs, half of our subjects were border collies and they did not learn. Okay. So even among border collies, this is very, very, very rare. Okay. So when we see gifted dogs, they're more likely to be border collies, but just because you have a border collie doesn't mean exactly. your dog will have this property. Okay. So even a small number of border collies. And just because your dog is not a border collie doesn't mean that it's not gifted. Okay. Because we also have quite a surprising range of other breeds that have learned the names of toys. We have one Shih Tzu, which is amazing. We nice. have a Pekingese. We have one or two Pomeranians. We have a mini Australian Shepherd, of course, a German Shepherd, a Labrador. Corgi. 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 Yeah, we have a Corgi. I forgot the Corgi. Nice. Uh, poodles. So we do see some dogs that are not Border Collies and they definitely know the names of toys. Okay. So you kind of hinted this is rare. 
can you speak to how rare it is? And like, do you think there's a lot of dogs out there with an undiscovered genius? Like they just don't have enough toys to kind of tell us that they can learn? Or is this just something that comes up in a very small number of dogs? Oh, I wish there were more. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants a gifted dog, right? Like, my dog's special. Yeah, I mean, for us, like, it would be great just to have more subjects, you know, like to have a bigger simple size. But we tried, and Shani tried for longer than I did, and we had this huge social media campaign and all the press that you mentioned before. And at the very beginning, we found only six. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Now we are a bit better with that, but still, there are not so many. If you can imagine that maybe thousands of people read the press about our work, and then just maybe one or two people show up and tell us that their dogs have disability, it's crazy. And there are thousands of hundreds wow. of dogs around the world, and so far, we didn't find that many. <laughs> okay. But you also, one of the things you did in your recent study, I believe, was like ask about personality traits in the dogs and some of their behaviors. And one thing you found was that there was a relationship between these gifted dogs and some of their personality traits. One of them was playfulness. So can you talk a little bit about what you found and how do you determine playfulness in a dog? What kind of traits would that mean? So the idea here was that we wanted to see if there was any kind of difference between the gifted dogs and the typical dogs. So we decided to give them a personality test. Well, they're guardians, a personality test, of course. And the only thing that they described to be quite different was the playfulness. So this drive that they have to play with toys and some dogs are even not so motivated for food. They prefer playing over food. So it's a very interesting difference. And the important thing, and the, again, the interesting thing here is that there might be like some sort of linearity here in the sense that, of course, if these dogs enjoy to play more, then the owners will be also rewarding this kind of behavior more. So there is this difference. It seems to be at least evident in the sample we had. So it was the gifted sample from all over the world and then a sample from Hungary and Austria, so at least two other countries. But yeah, it's a bit difficult to say that it's only that that describes this difference between the two. Sure. I wonder if the food-motivated dogs would learn all the names of their treats. <laughs> like, like if it is that kind of... What's on the menu, yeah. <laughs> we did have some owners claiming that their dogs know the names of uh, food, and I definitely believe them. I just have no idea how I can test it. That would be harder for sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, you are listening to The Good Dog Pod. We are here with Andrea Somes and Shaney Drawer. They are researchers who recently published a study about giftedness in dogs, and we will be right back. Good Dogs Breeding Foundations course provides expert advice on pedigrees, genetics, contracts, and everything else you need to set your breeding program up for success. This course usually costs $245, but you can access it for free when you join Good Dog today. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. We're back here at the Good Dog Pod. My guests today are Dr. Andrea Somes and Shani Drawer, and we are talking about gifted dogs. Now, another study you did found that gifted dogs were more likely to tilt their heads when their owners asked them to fetch a toy than other dogs. And I think this is something like a lot of us when we're thinking, right? Like, mm, okay, we tilt our heads. So can you tell us a little bit about why you chose this behavior? Was it because you noticed that humans do this or did you observe dogs doing it or what's going on with the head tilt? So we record all our tests because, of course, then we watch them and we analyze them. And the thing that came out from basically all the videos we have of the dogs fetching toys was that they have this very interesting behavior that's tilting the head. And we know that it's a very common behavior also in other dogs and also in people, as you were mentioning. 
but there is not much about it. So the idea is that at least for humans, we do it when we are confused or when we are trying to understand something. There is even some research pointing out that we do it to look more attractive because you change the symmetry of your face. So you look more, again, interesting. interesting. But when it comes to dogs, there was nothing. Okay. So we have this paper now that we published and we found out that at least when it comes to gifted dogs, they tilt the head a lot when they hear a specific name of their toys. And this seems to be some kind of way for them to think about it because you observe this very nice behavior, which is the owner says something like, where is the teddy bear? And the moment the owner hits that word, so teddy bear, the dog tilts the head. Interesting. Okay. And I guess one question would be, so the dogs who would not be able to find their toys or learn the words did not do this behavior as frequently. So it was like they didn't discriminate the words from the blah, blah, that the humans are, you know, I always think of the peanuts, right? Like the adults are always yeah, like, the, the adults. <laughs> yeah. and so like, is that what our dogs hear? It's like, wah, 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 teddy bear. And then the dog's like, oh, and the gifted dog is like, oh, I hear a toy. <laughs> so really interesting. And also kind of speaks to like some of the maybe cognitive commonalities between us and other species. Because like I said, when I read about that, I was like, <laughs> I think I tilted my head thinking about it. It's just an interesting commonality. And of course, there's the, the question of like domestication and did we select dogs for things that kind of remind us of us. But that seems kind of unlikely since not all dogs do it. It's only the dogs that seem very interested in their toys. So, okay, we've got these gifted dogs. There's very few of them, but they're obviously special. But since there are so few of them, does that present challenges for doing research? And should people care that their dog is not gifted? I mean, should we feel bad if our dogs only know two toy names instead of 200? What can this research tell us about dogs and why is it important? So actually, I think let's start with what this research can tell us about ourselves. Great. So you asked, why is it important? And I would ask, how would our world look if we didn't have people like Einstein or Mozart? And all of these geniuses that really changed our world. But how did they do that? I mean, what is it that made them so talented? And our dogs can help us understand this question because we see here a trait that is not common among most dogs. And suddenly you see that these dogs are completely off the chart when it comes to learning, when you compare them to other dogs, when it comes to this very specific trait of learning names of toys. I'm not saying that they're good at other things because we haven't found if they're good at other things. We only found that they're very good at this. If we could understand better why some humans are very, very talented, that can help us understand talent, understand maybe how to develop talent, understand how to help it. And the same goes for dogs. So actually our dogs, they may be able to help us understand this because dogs, unlike humans, we have a better understanding of their environment. Mm -hmm. So they can be kind of a model to understanding maybe this thing that is the expression of talent in some individuals. Very cool. So this is why these gifted dogs are important for us humans. Why are they important for dogs? First of all, I think the more we know about dogs, the better. When I started this project, I joined at the beginning as a trainer because my background is in training. And when I was asked to do this, I was like, yeah, of course I can train dogs to learn the names of objects. I mean, that shouldn't be a problem at all. And I asked all my trainer friends and they were like, yeah, that doesn't seem to be complicated. And I started and I failed. <laughs> and I kept trying and I tried a lot of different things and I kept failing. 
And you may say, okay, maybe she's just not such a good trainer. I but don't think no. that's true. <laughs> no, but the thing is, I definitely had months where I was thinking that. But then we found out there were more groups that tried to do this. Or so there are two more groups around the world, not at all connected to us, that have tried to train dogs to learn the names of objects. And both of them have tried about 30 to 40 dogs and did not succeed. Which means that we find here something that for humans comes very easily. For dogs, for some reason, it doesn't. And I think it's very important to understand, of course, we want to know what dogs are easily able to do, but we also want to know what they are not easily able to do, because this helps us understand them better. And then maybe it also helps us understand a bit better our day-to-day -day interaction with them, because we think that they know because our body language is so strong that they pick up on things and we think they're picking up on what we're saying, but they're not. They're picking up on our movement, on what we're referring to with our body. And I think this is also the point that's important for people that their dogs are not these kind of super word learning dogs, that the fact that your dog does not learn the names of objects, it doesn't mean that your dog is not very special because it, first of all, of course, every dog's special, right? Yeah. <laughs> every dog is special. They could be very special in other things. And also just to be aware of how the really small things that we do how our dogs are so perceptive to this and how would they pick up on that? I think that's already amazing. I agree. And I mean, it does bring up a lot of really interesting points about training. I think we kind of understand that learning happens in a particular way, like associative learning. And we assume that all animals learn the same, but obviously just like what you mentioned with humans, there are some differences and Perhaps someday there'll be some border collies that can discover a cure for cancer. But for now, we will say like some of them can learn lots of names of toys. But, you know, you brought up the training and the fact that you tried to train a lot of dogs to learn the names of 200 toys. So should people be trying to teach their dogs the names of their toys? Is there value in that if some dogs just don't get it? Or do you think it's okay? Keep trying. So I think I can speak for both when I say that we would love if more people would try this <laughs> so they can help us with our work. Great. But yeah, of course, you have to be careful. And as Shani was saying, there are occasions where it's not possible. So yeah, it seems that dogs either get it or don't get it. Okay. So don't get frustrated. Just enjoy the process. I mean, playing with your dog is one of the best things in the world. So it's a win-win situation. You get something exciting and also your dog does. So there's nothing to lose. <laughs> and actually, when we were talking with the guardians of the dogs that are gifted and we're asking them, how did they train the dogs for this? The answer is normally we didn't train. We've just mm -hmm. been playing with our dogs and telling them the names of the toys and the dogs pick up on the names of the toys. First of all, play with your dogs. That's awesome. That's important. It's really important for us. Makes our life happier. Definitely makes our dogs life happier. So if you have a dog, go play with it. Nice. And then while you're doing that, say the name of the toy and try to figure out if the dog is picking up on that. And if it is, then definitely send us Get in email. touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is a casting call for gifted dogs. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I like to end on kind of a fun note, which is if you could choose any breed of dog to be, which would you choose? And based on your research, is it Border Collies? For me, it's definitely not a Border Collie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm not that active. <laughs> I like sports and all that, but I could not be active as a board. <laughs> okay. I think I would be for sure like some kind of shepherd because I really like rules and routine and all that. So I think I will thrive in some kind of very specific context. I can relate to that. Okay, Janie. Yeah, I'm definitely not a border collie. <laughs> no, not at all. 
just working with them is sometimes exhausting. <laughs> so I can't imagine how it is to be one of them. Gosh, I don't know. I think I might be a poodle, actually. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Smart and very noisy. Noisy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with curls. <laughs> I have very curly hair. It's uh, almost loud enough for you to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, before we go, can you tell our audience, what is the Genius Dog Challenge? So I think we hinted a bit to that, that we have dogs from all over the world. Yes. And the way we got to this is because, of course, these dogs are very rare. So the Genius Dog Challenge was a series of broadcasts that we did in order to spread the word that we are searching for these dogs. Because as Andre said, we were searching for dogs, it took us two years to find the six dogs, which we did the challenge. And then we said, okay, let's try to work with these dogs to get more exposure. So on the Genius Dog Challenge, which you could also see the episodes on our YouTube channel, which is Genius Dog Challenge, you can see actual tests that we do with the dogs and they were broadcasted live where the dogs, they got a box with a few toys and they had one week to learn the names of all these toys. And then we would test them together at kind of a competition to see which dog can get the most toys correctly. Today, the Genius Dog Challenge is also a place for us to share our knowledge about the work we're doing. So we're on the social media. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook and YouTube. And you can find all the, our, our research, but also just general people that are interested in dog science are welcome to follow us because we also share content that is related to dog science, cognition, behavior, and a bit of training as well. Okay. Well, I know what I'm going to spend the rest of my day watching on YouTube because I need to see these videos. We'll drop the link in the show notes so that our listeners can check out the science in action. And if people do have a dog that they think fits the criteria of gifted, where can they reach you? Where can they get in touch? So yeah, as I said, you're welcome to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And we also have our website, genius.challenge.com. Perfect. And just send us an email, info at Genius Dog Challenge. Okay, great. And I know you both do a lot of science communication on Twitter. So people should check out if you're on Twitter, find Shaney Drawer and Andrea Somis and follow them, give them support and check out the Genius Dog Challenge. Thank you both so much for being here today. It was really fun to learn about your research. I'm excited to watch the videos and I hope our listeners are too. So yeah, thank you both. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was lovely. Mm -hmm.